This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Capital One. Going into the year two, we understand a lot of those things necessary to be competitive and win games. Now it's how do you do it week in and week out. As LSU prepares to travel to Oxford to face off against Ole Miss. Touchdown, Mighty Tigers! Coach Kelly is coming up, but first, from inside the Capital One studio on the campus of LSU, here are your hosts, former Tiger, Gordy Rush, and the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Once again, good Monday morning. We get ready for another Brian Kelly press conference presented by Capital One. Tigers coming off a successful weekend. It was uh, a battle, to say the least, but uh, well, that's kind of been the deal with Arkansas and LSU, at least over the last four seasons. But the Tigers come out on top. As the old coach says, 34 is more than 31, and the Tigers will take it every time. LSU with the win moves to 3-1. and one. More importantly, 2-0 and oh in this early SEC race. Arkansas falling to 2-2. Two and two. They are 0-1 oh in league play. Coming up later, we'll talk about the matchup this weekend. Tigers back out on the road. In fact, they'll be on the road for the next two weeks. Uh, but this Saturday, they'll be at Vault Hemingway taking on Ole Miss with kickoff at 5 o'clock. But Gordy Rush, a lot to unpack from Saturday's game, obviously with a 34-31 final. Um, but as I said, you, you come away with that win, and I, and I mentioned any win is good in conference play. Uh-huh. But when you know you're going on the road for the next two weeks, this was one you needed to get, and they were able to pull it off. Look, you, ha- you had to get one under your belt, and, and I like the way that LSU did it, Chris. And, and this was a game that LSU came in a 17-point favorite over Arkansas, and that's the way that Vegas saw it after Arkansas's disappointing loss to BYU. But uh, Coach Kelly talked about it. I talked about it earlier in the week. You knew you were going to get a better Arkansas effort than what they showed up in Fayetteville against BYU, and they came back, and they looked like the Arkansas we're familiar with. They come out, they're physical on both sides of the football. K.J. Jefferson put on that Superman's cape and and did a lot of amazing things back there, And, and LSU had to overcome adversity and find a way to win a conference game, and, and that's life in the SEC. I don't care what year it is. This conference may be a little bit down from top to bottom than it's been. It's still difficult there. These are rival games. It's tough to win in the SEC, and LSU found a way to do so. You know, if you're Arkansas, and again, we're talking LSU on this show, but Arkansas now, two straight weeks, double-digit penalties. They had mm-hmm. 14 against BYU. 11 against LSU, and again, a ton of those came uh, in the second half when the game was really being battled, Um, and and yet they put up over 420 yards of offense in back-to-back games, and they put up 31 points in back-to-back games, but they're up there in Fayetteville 0-2. Arkansas is a much better team than their record's going to show, and and I'll tell you, Chris, now that I saw clips of the BYU game, and, and then obviously saw the stats of it. But but what the stats don't tell you for, from Arkansas's vantage point is just how deflating the, those penalties are. For Arkansas, every time they get some good momentum going, they'd get a couple of those uh, legal procedure penalties or, or, or holding penalties, something that sets you back. Where, uh, you know, for LSU, you felt like, I, I felt like that, that touchdown pass that they had to Brian Thomas Jr., 
uh, followed by the Harold Perkins sack on the last play of the half of the, of the first half. And all of a sudden, Tiger Stadium was open for business. I mean, LSU came to play. They were playing at a high level. Sure, they made some mistakes, and and Arkansas made some plays. But um, you saw LSU, I I think, come with a consistent effort the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels, again, I think he'd be the first to admit, Gordy, that the opening moments, maybe he was up a little much. Uh, Energy may have been going through him a little too much coming off the great performance a week before. But he settled down, hit that home run ball to Brian Thomas Jr. And then the offense... I mean, those first three or those three drives, the one to end the second quarter and the first two of the third quarter, a thing of beauty, and he is rewarded again today, back to back, co-offensive player of the SEC after his performance, uh, both against Mississippi State and Arkansas, um, and, and, and again, first time a Tiger's done that. Uh, Harold Perkins Jr. last year right. was defensive player of the week, back to back weeks on November seventh and fourteenth. But let's talk about. LSU's defense, because again, congratulations to the offense. They were able to find 34 points and get a win. Uh, When you watch the game from the sideline, K.J. Jefferson, Coach Kelly talked about it last Monday. He talked about it on Thursday, and he repeated it after the game. He is difficult. He is hard to get down. There were chances for LSU to blow up plays in the offensive backfield that just didn't come to fruition. When you look at how they were able to get and stay in the game and, and, and make it a contest, again, with big pass plays down the field where Jefferson not necessarily running, it was the second straight week that he had one big run, but outside mm-hmm. of that, he didn't really have an impact running the football. But his ability to, to get away from arm tackles, get out of the pocket, and eventually find an open man on several occasions was really, again, you can look at it and say, well, Arkansas made a great play, or you can say, well, LSU's defense – Maybe gave up on the play too soon. Yeah, look, if I'm, I'm Coach Matt House, there's a lot to like in that film. And after 400 yards of total offense and and 31 points to Arkansas, I get it. That That's not ideal. The standard's higher in, in, here in Baton Rouge. But there were a lot of what I call double positive plays, a lot of great effort up front. And uh, the, the run game, I, I thought that at times LSU got great penetration in the run game. They were able to apply a lot of pressure uh, to K.J. Jefferson. The problem came in was keeping him bottled up in his ability to make plays after they're broken down. And then on the back end, just too many errors, too many mental mistakes. Um, When Jefferson is getting into a scramble situation, there's scramble rules for defensive backs. If you're in man coverage, you're in man coverage, you stay with your guy. Because he's going to move around. He's taught to come up if he's deep, and he's caught to go deep if he's in the short range. You've got to stay with him twice. LSU DBs kind of fell asleep at that. Also, if you're playing zone, you stay with that zone, and you don't leave your zone until Jefferson, the quarterback, breaks the line of scrimmage. And there were just too many double negative plays to go along with the positive plays. So it's a frustrating film you got to clean it up because you're going to face an LSU, an Ole Miss offense next week that's going to try and trick you as well. Again, uh, LSU getting it done 34-31 to to, to get the victory. Uh, coming up, we'll talk a little bit about the Ole Miss matchup before we hand it off to Coach Kelly, who will take to the podium right around 12 noon. I, I did kind of want to talk about, um, again, offensively, the good sign that Jaden Daniels in this win – got SEC co-offensive player of the week, and wasn't the leading rusher for LSU in this game. And uh, I think we're really starting to see Logan Diggs come into his own, ran the ball very well. Of course, kudos to Josh Williams. He had Mm -hmm. one carry. He was a 41-yarder 
big moment in the game. But but I like to see that the running backs now are, are carrying the load on the ground. And, and that was a, a nice change from a year ago. That game up in Fayetteville, LSU really struggled to run the football. And, and because of that, Arkansas was able to tee off. This is a different-looking LSU running back room. You mentioned Logan Diggs. He is, he's running back 1A right for for LSU he's the first string running back 14 touches 97 net yards against Arkansas and then they're going to rotate Williams in he can do a lot of things for you get some tough yards also great in blitz pickup he's outstanding catching the football John Emery Jr. got some touches and everyone wants to see a little bit more of Caleb Jackson the true freshman with that explosiveness Uh, those are going to be the core four guys and the good thing for LSU They've got four plus. I mean, Noah, Noah Kane didn't get a touch here. You've got a deep running back room. So many times last year, LSU only had two healthy running backs. Yeah, big difference, big difference. Well, as we put a uh, wrap on the Arkansas game, boy, oh boy, how nice it is to have a kicker. Um, and, <laughs> and, and I say that not even tongue-in-cheek, Gordy, because there are some teams across the country, one happens to be in the upstate of South Carolina, yes, sir. that really wish they had a kicker, but... Uh, Damian Ramos goes out, called upon. Uh, we, we weren't quite sure when we would see him uh, as the final seconds were, were rolling down there. But once he got out there, uh, just uh, ice water in the veins and, and did what he was asked to do and gets the game winner. Yeah, I thought LSU did a nice job of milking the clock. It was a four-minute drive, went down there and scored the, the field goal with five seconds left and then successfully came back and hit a good squib kick and, and put that ball back at the Arkansas 25-yard line, making it impossible even for Jefferson to, to reach the end zone. And so LSU special teams much improved from a year ago. Yeah, I'm sure Coach Kelly would be the first to tell you, hey, if he had his druthers, the game would have ended with triple zeros. Absolutely. But uh, again, the odds were in the Tigers' favor, and they get it done 34-31. That means they go on the road two-week swing, and it starts this coming Saturday. Vaught-Hemingway Stadium up in the hamlet of Oxford, Mississippi. We'll talk a little bit about the Rebs who come off a tough loss in Tuscaloosa before Coach Kelly takes to the podium at the Lawton Room. So stay with us. More to come. It's the Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Capital One. Coach Kelly is just moments away from previewing the week for the Fighting Tigers. This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Capital One. Once again, here are Gordy and Chris. Back with you on this still Monday morning, headed up to the noon hour in the Brian Kelly Press Conference as LSU gets ready to travel on the road. They'll take on Ole Miss. Uh, LSU leads this longtime series. They started playing football in 1894, 65 wins, 41 losses, and four ties. Um, But, Gordy, this is an interesting fact. I looked it up earlier today. Now, there are a couple of Ole Miss vacated wins uh, in here, but just with what happened on the field, I mentioned that Ole Miss has 41 victories in this longtime rivalry, but 37 of those 41, not counting the vacated losses, were prior to 2002. So that tells you right. recent modern college football, LSU has uh, certainly had the upper hand, although uh, in 21, Ole Miss able to get the win. But uh, last year, Coach Kelly and company uh, rightfully picked up the victory and uh, should make for a, for a great atmosphere. They're always fired up when the Tigers are in town in Oxford. Well, and that's the rivalry that's going to continue. So Al- Ole Miss is one of the teams that have, have been allocated as one of LSU's three permanent ones, at least for next year. So the Rebels will be back here in Tiger Stadium in, in 2024. Look, it's a tough spot to play. I, I mean, that's one of those games to me. Ole Miss is always a little bit hungrier 
to play LSU than, than LSU is to play Ole Miss. And you have a similar situation than what you had a week ago, and that Ole Miss's back is really up against the wall. If uh, This is a team that wanted the break, the eight-win barrier. They felt like they had enough people returning, uh, a good core that they possibly could sneak a, their way into Atlanta this year. Now they have the loss to Alabama, a game in which they felt like with Alabama's struggles that, that maybe this is was Lane's chance to, to get his uh, old coach uh, Nick Saban. That didn't happen. Alabama dominated that football game. So now backs up against the wall. They're playing at home and expect them to come out with the same sort of fire Arkansas did past Saturday night. Yeah, I have no doubt that there'll be plenty of motivation, especially after the big buildup and, and, the, and the hype from the lane train going into Tuscaloosa that uh, once again did not come to fruition. But Gordy, I rely on you for our broadcast team to to explain things to me. And I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you here today, I, I look at Ole Miss, again, suffering their first loss to Alabama on Saturday. But I really don't know what kind of Ole Miss team we're going to get. I, I think I like Jackson Dart. I mean, I think he is uh, certainly, as the returners go in the league, he's at the top. Uh, you know, Judkins, I think, is a, is a superb running back. But I'm looking at, you know, a lopsided score against FCS Mercer. I watched a good portion of the game against Tulane where the Green Wave did not have Pratt, their starting quarterback, and that was toe-to-toe. Uh, Georgia Tech, eh, okay, 48-23. Wow. I, don't, I don't know what we're getting. What are we getting in Ole Miss? I, I think a lot of people still wondering what's going on with this Ole Miss offense. A year ago, they averaged 256 yards per game rushing. That was good for third best in, in NCAA football this year. They're just at 146 yards per game. You mentioned Judkins. To me, arguably the best tailback, at least production-wise, in the league a year ago. He was averaging 124 ga- 24 yards per game, just 50. Just mm. 50 this, this year. In fact, Jackson Dart uh, led the team in, in rushing. Last week against Alabama, Alabama only held them to, to 50 yards, and, and he's getting as many touches right now as Judkins is. Conversely, they're better defensively. Defensively, they're a, They were a mess a year ago. Pete Golding came over from Alabama. He was the defensive coordinator, coordinator there. He's come to Ole Miss. They've been much more aggressive. They added some people in the transfer portal, so not quite as explosive on the offensive side better on the defensive side, and uh, a little bit different-looking Ole Miss team thus far. I don't want to compare Jackson Dart to K.J. Jefferson, but but the numbers, at least uh, so far through four weeks, make me do so, Gordy, because it looks like, as you pointed out, Dart is kind of, the, the right now, the leading rushing threat for Ole Miss. Um, but you're looking at a dual quarterback, um, not quite the size of K.J. Jefferson, but a guy that's very skilled with his legs and his arm, are there similarities to the breakdowns we saw this past weekend that, that again, they're going to focus on because they're going to face another quarterback with similar with a similar skill right. set? No, no question. Similar offensive you know mindsets and what they're trying to get done. I think Kendall Bryles and, and Lane Kiffin were a little bit closer to maybe what Dan Enos uh, Dan Enos does and historically has done and, and what Lane Kiffin does. But but Kiffin is a spread the run you, and he's always had his quarterback running the football a part of his offense. Matt Corral did it for the two years he, that he was there and then Jackson Dart last year. The difference, at least for me, was uh, if you recall, Corral and Dart in the, in the last two matchups against LSU came in limping 
literally limping because they had played seven games. What's different now is this is week number five, and and Ole Miss is catching LSU and Alabama much earlier in the schedule. And so um, I, I think that played to LSU's advantage last year. The dart was was pretty beaten up by the time he got to the Tigers. They take a lot of hits. The difference between dart and Jefferson is about 40 pounds. I mean, Jefferson is yeah. 250, and defenders bounce off of Jefferson. That's not the case with Jackson Dart. You know, one of the stats that stands out is, and I mentioned it to you this morning when we got in the studio, is that Ole Miss right now, 10th in the SEC in offensive plays per game. And, you know, again, a lot of people said, well, it's because of the the the, the, the rule change for first downs. I you and I don't see it that way. It, there's a difference, and there's a reason why, for example, LSU is uh, head and shoulders more offensive plays in a game than Ole Miss is getting. Yeah, look, I, I just think it's it's been the combination that they they just haven't gotten it going. The stats don't uh, you know don't bear out what they did a year ago. Yes, one big thing, and I'll throw it to the people that want to go with the, the change in the clock rule. I think they had 66 plays uh, last week against Alabama. Averaging 65 a 65 game. a game. This is an offense typically is used to going 80 to 90. So they're getting less plays in there. Now, some of that Alabama dominated the time of possession. Uh, you know, as I said from the onset, they just have not looked the same offensively. They lost Mingo and, and two other key receivers and got a bunch of guys in the transfer portal. Uh, they haven't been as dynamic as they were a year ago. That's the best way to describe it. I should mention, too, real quickly, we mentioned Jaden Daniels, co-offensive player of the week in the SEC, back-to-back weeks. Last Tiger to do that on the offensive side was, I'll give you one guess. Joe Burrow? (laughs) You got it. All right, let's go to the podium. Coach Brian Kelly going to preview LSU and Ole Miss. And with a little recap from uh, this past weekend's Arkansas game, um sure thank you um just to recap from the game certainly uh the first thing that stood out a great crowd great atmosphere loud uh just exactly what you expect at tiger stadium so certainly appreciate um our fans showing up and um creating such a great home field advantage for us uh we really appreciate that and, and look forward to seeing that again back in uh, when we get back in uh, October. Um, you know, uh, a battle for the boot, a rivalry game, Arkansas. Um, you know, I was really impressed after watching the film. Um, you know, they, they played very well, well-coached football team on uh, all sides. Um, you know, their offensive game plan was outstanding. Defensively did some really good things. Uh, and, and, you know, we had to overcome. We got off to a slow start offensively, but our defense, you know, didn't. Uh, they, they actually got off to a really good start and kind of gave us a chance to, um, to kind of settle in offensively. And, um, you know, once we were able to do that, um, you know, got it moving. I, I thought what stood out was, was our, you know, our perseverance. Uh, you know, we get down 14-3 to three with like 48 seconds to go in the half, and, you know, that, that was a huge touchdown for, for Arkansas, but I, our offense uh, moves the ball down the field with 48 seconds on the clock and scores, um, and, and that was a, a big touchdown. We come out in the second half, score again, um, and, and, and turn the momentum a, around. And, and certainly, you know, Arkansas answered, and we answered back twice when they tied the score. Uh, but I think what was... 
was really big in that game. And, and, you know, sometimes you look at it, you know, differently after the game and when you get a chance to watch the film. Um, but after we gave up the, the, uh, the fake field goal, uh, the way our defense uh, dug in and uh, refused to give up a score, a touchdown in that situation was huge. Um, that can be uh, overlooked in many instances, but um, the resolve of our defense to dig down and hold them to three after giving up um, a fake field goal, which, as you know, emotionally can, can take the wind right out of you. Our guys hung in there, battled, um, and, and only gave up the field goal and forced them to use two timeouts because that comes back later when they don't have any timeouts where we can control the clock later in the game. So very pivotal, pivotal situation in the game where our defense was, um, was really resilient. Um, now, there were some self-inflicted wounds that we're going to have to clean up. Um, but, but all in all, um, you know, Daniels again, neighbors, um, you know, the running game was, was really solid. Uh, really liked what we saw there. Thomas, um, there were playmakers out there on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we come up with a big sudden change turnover. So a lot of good things there uh, to get that win. And, and, again, things to build off of going into this week against, you know, Ole Miss, who, who we know uh, to be an outstanding football team. we got to go there on the road. Um, and, again, outstanding offense, uh, number two in the SEC. Um, very aggressive defense. Uh, you know, one of the, the top defenses in the SEC. I think they're second in the SEC in sacks. They're going to get after it. Jackson Dart's been you know, resilient, tough, physical quarterback. Um, you know, he's thrown for over a thousand, and and he's rushing the football as well. And we know about Jutkins from last year. Um, Watkins leads them in receptions, uh, and then you know, again, a, a very difficult defense uh, uh, to go against because they're so physical and aggressive. So, um, you know, a rivalry game again in terms of the Magnolia Bowl trophy game. Um, and again, got to go on the road against another SEC opponent. So looking forward to the challenge. Uh, we've got some things that we've got to get better at, um, just like everybody else in the country, but looking forward to the challenge. So uh, one thing I do want to announce, Jaden Daniels was the SEC uh, co-offensive player of the week for the second consecutive week. So uh, congratulations to him. And he also becomes only the sixth player in FBF hist FBS history with 10,000 passing yards and 2,000 uh, rushing yards. So uh, congratulations to him as well. So open it up to questions. A lot of great positives, certainly. But uh, you talked about the unforced errors or self-inflicted wounds. How much of those were just responsibility losses? I guess, you know, obviously we know the long, deep, toss was, but the tight end across the middle, what did you see in that one as well? Yeah, so they flooded a, a zone uh, into the short field. Um, and again, you know, that's a pass coverage situation where, you know, we certainly have to recognize that and, and, and pick that up. That, that's a, you know, common occurrence in college football where, you know, somebody floods a zone and, and, a, and a linebacker doesn't see it and he's, he's got to get to that coverage. So, um, we weren't in a great coverage for that. Um, if we're in a rolled coverage or a different coverage variation, we probably pick that up pretty easily. Um, but that's something that we've got to get uh, taken care of. 
No, that, that would actually be the Mike linebacker. Yeah. Coach, right here, uh, you talked a little bit about this in the preseason, but just can you talk about more about Brian Thomas's just the way he's evolved, uh, obviously a big game for him, but he's been kind of quietly putting together solid performances. What does that do for your offense, and what kind of challenge is that for now an opposing defense, neighbors on one side, Thomas on the other? Well, as you know, neighbors is getting a lot of attention. You know, if they're playing man coverage, that safety is definitely tilted towards neighbors, as you can imagine. And in some instances, he's getting bracket coverage, which means – you know, they're playing a zone to one side with him and then man on the other side. And so you've got to be able to find other matchups. Um, it's almost uh, a sense where they're trying to take him out of the game. Uh, you've got to find the other one-on-one -on -one matchups. And so, um, you know, BT gets some one-on-one -on -one matchups that are favorable. And uh, Jaden's seeing that, and, and we're taking advantage of it. And Brian's, you know, obviously very capable to, to win in those one-on-one -on -one matchups. Hey, Brian, on your left. Yeah. A few weeks ago, you had mentioned that you have more than 11 on defense. It's pretty clear y'all are using a lot, of, a lot more players now. Yep. Have you exa exhausted all of your personnel options defensively to where the, the guys you have right now are the guys you feel like you, you can roll with? Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's anybody else that we would bring into the game. You know, we'd like to get, you know, obviously everybody healthy, um, you know, get getting all the guys out there physically. Spates obviously is one guy that we'd like to get back out on the field. Um, I think there's some other tweaks that we can do defensively to see that we get guys in the right position um, and, and let them um, influence the game accordingly. Um, so... I, I, there's not another guy that, you know, let's take a red shirt off of a particular player or another guy that's going to get in the rotation. You might see some players play a little bit more, um, but, but the group of guys that we have playing on the defensive side of the ball, we just have to play, um, uh, to me, and we were talking about this from a defensive uh, perspective, um, we have to do the ordinary things extraordinarily well. And I know that's an overused cliche that we hear so many times, but we, we, we're having a tendency of trying to chase too many plays on defense. And, and what I mean by that, we're trying to make plays that are really not our place to make, and we just need to do our job. And I think once we settle down and, and just do the, the ordinary things extraordinarily well, this, this can be a really good defense because it's shown itself to have resiliency and toughness uh, and, and the players necessary to do that. Yeah, Brian, right here. Uh, do you feel like this year's team is starting to play with the same resolve that last year's team had? Can you start to see that? I'm seeing that starting to evolve in that identity. And, look, I, I mean, th there, there are times when you play – uh, in quality competition that um, you, you get a better sense and feel for your team, and, and especially when you're down, right? Uh, we weren't down against Mississippi State at any time. We weren't down at any time uh, against Grambling. Um, and we, we really didn't have the right mix, uh, a mindset going into the Florida State game. So this was our first chance really to, to identify who we were when we got down late. And we immediately responded, and uh, we came out in the second half and, and played the kind of football that I expect, um, never flinching, knowing that we were going to take some more shots, 
uh, and when we gave up a play, uh, we, we forgot about it and we got to the next play. And so that, in answering your question, starts to, to form an identity as to who you are. And I think that we're seeing some resiliency from last year to this year. Hey, Coach, right in the middle. Um, although he had some growing pains coming into the season, Deshaun Womack has made an uh, impact coming off the edge. Um, how has he grown as a player, and how will his role uh, expand moving forward? You know, he's young. He's learning. Um, you know, he couldn't even keep his helmet on when he was out on the field. So we got to teach him how to buckle his chin strap and, and do all that kind of stuff. So, um, look, I mean, it's – it's a process. I know everybody wants to make a superstar of all these guys in the first time. He's going to be a really good player. Um, and and I, I don't want to take anything away from the young man. Um, but there's a process that he's got to continue to do the little things the right way. And he's making progress. And as you see, we're getting him on the field in our, in our dime package, in our nickel package, because he can rush the passer. Um, and and I'm, I'm pretty confident you're going to see more of him. But... Let's just tap the brakes here a little bit. He's, he's not ready for, you know, um, a starting position. Um, but he's going to definitely help our defense. Brian, down here. In the, yes. Hey. Um, you said just tweaks on defense to get the guys in the right position. What sort of things is that? Is like a really big overhaul or just sort of? No, no. Like? This is not. I mean, again, I, I gave you some, I think, clear examples of, when a defense is tested, especially after the fake field goal, you get a chance to see what you're made of. I mean, that's an easy opportunity to lay down. That group did not lay down. Uh, they were challenged um, in that situation to come up with some plays. Um, their, their eye control was excellent. Their assignments were excellent. We... We just need to do that on a more consistent basis, and we we tend to lose our focus, um, and and we just have to drive that home with this group that when when they are um, doing the little things the right way, they're a pretty good defense. When they try to do like your job and somebody else's job and not their own job, we're not so good, and. That's just the maturation of the group. We've got young corners that don't have a lot of experience, um, and, and, and our safeties have to be consistent. They're trying to make up for some uh, inexperience and trying to do a little bit too much, and they just got to do their jobs. And, and when that group really comes together um, with our front seven, I think we're, we're going to be a really good defense. Uh, Coach, some more on the secondary. Is, is it sometimes a case of the pass rush isn't getting there quite in time and they've got more to do? And then on one of those plays, I don't know if it's the corner thought he had help over the top and the guy ran past him or what, what is it? No. He, 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 he. That would be great. His mom and dad would like you to think that. Um, and everybody that buys his jersey, uh, he knew that obviously he made an error. And, 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 and look – He's not the only one that's made errors, you know. I mean, this is not about one singular play. This is about staying focused all the time, doing your job. And, and he lost sight and, and in terms of what he should have been doing on that particular play. What's really important here is, more than anything else, um, our players can't be trying to make plays. He saw the quarterback as a run threat. That's not his job. 
His job was to be the deep half defender. Go do your job. Um, there's somebody else assigned to him. And we just have to be consistent with that. And, and um, you know, nobody has patience with that. But we do have some young players out there that we sometimes we have to understand that the learning curve, there's a little bit of it going on right now. Uh, hey, Coach, I, I know he's been banged up a little bit, but he played this last week. Just what, what do you think is the key to unlocking Mason Taylor a little bit this season? Yeah, I mean, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, look, he, he, he was playing at probably 60 70%, um, and he gave us everything. He was gritty. He was tough. Um, you know, he made a couple of big catches when we needed him late. Um, I don't think there's any key to unlocking him other than just getting him healthy. When, when he's healthy, he's a very important part of what we do, and, and he's, he's going to contribute heavily to what we do once we get him at full strength. Coach, going back to the end of the game, uh, you talked about how you decided to handle the clock, but why run three plays there instead of taking a knee three times? Um, well, we weren't going to uh, score. Um, so, you know, in that situation, you could definitely make the case, and we talked about using our center play, which is to just slide the ball to the middle um, of the field with a direct snap and, and uh, center the ball. That was certainly an option. We discussed it, um, but we felt more comfortable uh, with the, um, the shotgun snap because that's what we do most of the time. Hey, Coach, over here. Uh, Andre Sam in the back end of uh, the secondary for y'all. Had an interception for y'all this past Saturday. He's been very aggressive making tackles, uh, been kind of all over the place, over the field. But what, what's basically your just uh, input on what you've seen from Andre Sam? Yeah, he's made progress. I'll, I'll give you an example. The interception he made, he would not have made that interception earlier in the year, especially against Florida State. He wasn't playing the post deep enough. He's getting great depth on the post now so he can break up on the over route. Um, we were a little bit short in depth in that deep post um, position. So uh, he's done a really good job there. He's got to continue to make those open field tackles. Um, so that'll be an area that we'll, we'll concentrate with him on. Um, but he's so coachable um, and plays with great energy, great enthusiasm. Love, love to coach him every day, and um, he just wants to get better. Um, that's, that's, um, all right. <laughs> that's a guy that you want to coach. Uh, hey, Coach. Um, last year at times, Jaden, if he'd had a slow start, Auburn, Arkansas, I know he's banged up a little that game, but then it kind of continued through four quarters. Yeah. This year, a game like this, he has a slow start, but then ends up winning SEC Player of the Week and bouncing back. What does that speak to in terms of maturation or growth or you know whatever it is with him as a quarterback? Great coaching, obviously. Um, you know, that's, that's what it is. Um, certainly, this is about Jaden Daniels' experience and, you know, knowing what he needs to do to get himself back into rhythm. Uh, he was not in great rhythm early. Um, he saw that. He sensed that. He, he knew that he had to find the right triggers himself because he had been down that road before and he couldn't get himself back into that, that rhythm. So I think just the experience himself uh, that he's had um, to allow himself to, to find that rhythm that he needed um, uh, is, is the difference and reminding him of it. 
You know, his drop was a little bit um, slow, and then he rushed his his delivery. He got back into a great rhythm, uh, and and it was it was pretty clear by the second quarter he was back to that that kind of consistency. So it speaks to his experience, his knowledge of what he needs to do to be the the elite quarterback that he is, uh, and he made the self corrections based upon the experience that he's had before, um, and good for him. Right. On the, uh, the roughing penalty on Harold, after getting to go see it on film, curious what, what you saw. And then also, how do you all teach your pass rushers what to do in that situation when the ball is out? Well, you know, we actually talked about it. Um, you know, we, we had a perfect example of that um, last week or the week before where Andre Sams had a, um, a collision over the middle with a Mississippi State player where he did a terrific job and we slowed it down in front of the team where it could have been a targeting penalty but he led with the shoulder did not come near the head or the neck and it's what we said you have to be intentional when when you're you know hitting somebody today you have to be intentional about how you hit them if not if you lead with the helmet if you get into the head or the neck you put yourself in jeopardy of a targeting penalty which hurts the team and hurts you so we had actually shown that video to our team uh, last Monday so Harold knew exactly he, he was he was running full speed at a quarterback that was out of the pocket and um, just trying to get him on the ground. Um, hit, him, hit him in the chest with his arm, extended his arm into his chest, didn't get to the head, didn't get to the neck, and it was interpreted as unnecessary. We think that was as unnecessary as, you know, Logan Diggs, uh, you know, late in the game getting a two-hand uh, hit into the, to the face. So we'll leave it up to our, um, you know, supervisor officials to give us guidance on that and He'll, he'll, uh, he'll look at the plays and, and report back to us. Speaking of Logan Diggs, uh, just your ability to run the ball late and just the run game kind of coming along in the last couple of weeks as well. What are you seeing there from the offensive line perspective that's making that possible and, and obviously some skill from Logan? Yeah, I think it's comprehensive. I think it's the offensive line uh, certainly doing a great job, combination blocks. Uh, I think the backs are running hard. Um, with intent. Um, we're not looking to bounce it out. We're low pads. We're taking four, five, six yards, um, putting ourselves in good down and distance situations accordingly. Um, we're getting better blocking on the perimeter uh, from our receivers that are allowing some of these runs to open up to be bigger runs. So I think it's just a, it's just a commitment to a physicality um, that you need in your run game. Ryan, just an injury report for the week? Yeah, so, so leading into it, we don't have anybody right now that we would list as uh, anything but probable for the game. You mentioned also last week that I think it was that Malik Neighbors had, over the course of his career, learned how to play every receiver position. Kind of, How yes. did he get to that point? Well, we started... Um, a little bit of it um, last year, um, moving him around a little bit um, with with uh, Kayshawn because we wanted to make sure that we got enough touches for everybody. Uh, and then this spring is when we started to accelerate that process, and then we carried that over into preseason camp. 
Um, he knew the W position really well. Kayshawn played primarily out of the Z position. So once we knew that we had somebody that knew the W, we spent a lot of time this uh, spring with him at X and Z. Uh, and, and that allowed the learning curve to be much easier when we installed in preseason camp. And that's why you've seen him all over the field. He made some really good catches uh, to the field, um, as you can imagine, that were clutch for us. Uh, that he normally wouldn't have those opportunities because he had been every time we had him in the boundary it, it was it was difficult coverage because they had a safety over the top those were a couple of catches that he made the one that was really tight coverage a great catch he has a safety that's over the top and it's it's a tough living if you don't move him around hey coach uh right here it, with the success of the running game over that fourth quarter, do you think part of that had to do with the fact that you guys were just spreading out their defense so much with that deep passing attack, or do you think those two things complement each other? Well, yes and no. I mean, the numbers were still favorable for them, uh, and I think they were in a situation where, you know, they still were bringing down an extra hat. They felt like they had to play man coverage in that situation, and you know, probably wanted us to throw the football um, because they knew what our intent was, and that was to take that clock down. Um, so we were still running it with uneven numbers in there. Um, but like I said, that was much more about a will um, and a desire to, to, to just get the extra yards, and I think our backs did a great job. Uh, Coach, on Arkansas's second possession, Major Burns makes a tackle where the guy's literally inches away from scoring, and it saves you four points. Uh, he's done that before the Alabama game last year. What can you say about his hustle and some of those plays early in games that you know really add up to winning later? Yeah, and, and again, I think that that's kind of you know some of the things that we were talking about is that um, we're not perfect. Um, we've got a long way to go. This group really cares, and, and they play hard. We, we just need to get our guys um, to do the ordinary things extraordinarily well. And if they do, and we stay away from some of these self-inflicted wounds, I like what we have going. Um, and so our meeting is going to be one where we're going to show them some of the things that they have done in, in, uh, when 11 guys are doing their job. It's, it's when we get outside and try to do some other things because we're getting those kinds of effort plays from our guys. Uh, just any update on Greg that you might have, but also kind of a guy that you're speaking to is the work that Jefferson's doing inside. Yes. So what, have you, what did you see in him to get him here, and how is that kind of paying off now that he's getting more time? Um, Greg is, is um, making progress, and all I can tell you is this is such a long – and lengthy process, um, and uh, as of Saturday, which was the last report, I'm going to be there today. I'll go to there today. We've tried to. Um, so many people want to get there, and I'm sure so many um, here too. But um, he needs rest. Uh, he needs to to recover. And and when you have a, a lot of people going there, and it just takes a lot of his energy away from him. So he's starting to, to make the kind of recovery that, that his doctors want. And, um, you know, we're just, you know, obviously every single day we're getting uh, to the point where he's making that, that, that recovery necessary for him to be up and around. So we're making progress. Um, 
the second part of the question was um, Jefferson. Uh, he's just he's twitchy. He's 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 extremely strong, um, and and we're going to look at him. You know, playing a little bit more uh, on the nose in, in our three down because uh, you know he can do a lot of things for us. So uh, playing some nose, um, you know, that kind of physicality and uh, you know what he can do for us in in our our three down front. Um, you know, I think he'll he'll make a difference for us. Hey, Coach, four games into the season, do you guys feel like you've kind of found your rotation at running back, and what's been the evaluation of that room overall now that you kind of have everybody? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it kind of showed itself kind of the way I've been talking about it is that we're going to go with the the guy that's, that's running well, and, you know, Diggs was uh, – you know, physical. I mean, but you know, you you saw Emery in there. Um, he he ran hard. Uh, Williams, you know, rips off a big run for us. The Diggs obviously had the lion's share because you know he was running physical. He was running through guys, and I, I think there's going to be a rotation all year. I, I don't know that it's always going to be one guy that that gets the highlights, but uh, it was Diggs this weekend. Um, but but I think it's it's still going to be a number of guys getting. Um, carries at that position we've got the the kind of depth necessary to to continue to do that good thank you coach brian kelly discussing last week's win over arkansas and the preparation this week headed in to another sec battle on the road against ole miss biggest piece out of that good news here on monday sounded like there are no tiger players in the doubtful spot going into Ole Miss. Hopefully that stands up. You know you can read into that. That means those that have missed the last couple of weeks are probable, and we'll keep our fingers crossed that they are at full strength when they head to Vault-Hemingway Stadium. We'll continue and wrap it up for this week's Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Capital One. This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Capital One. Another Monday press conference in the books. Sets us towards an SEC meeting coming up on Saturday. LSU on the road taking on Ole Miss. Just before Coach Kelly took to the podium today, conference office announced that uh, a week from this Saturday, it will be an 11 a.m. Central kickoff up in Como, LSU and Missouri. So an early start there. The team hopefully can replay what they did in Starkville and get back early before sundown with a victory. Coming up on Thursday, it's the Brian Kelly Show, live from TJ Ribs. It all starts at 7 o'clock. And then on Saturday, our broadcast day will start at 3 p.m. with LSU Game Day. Brandon Taylor, Marlon Favright, Hunt Palmer will set the tone. Then Doug Morrow and Gordy Rush will join me from inside Fought Hemingway Stadium in Oxford for LSU and Ole Miss. Thanks for joining us today. Be back with you next week, same time, for the Brian Kelly Press Conference. Thanks to Gordy Rush, and we'll see you Saturday from Oxford. This has been the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Capital One.